Well, that was an insane start to uh, trying to get in here. As Lance said, I got uh, caught in traffic trying to get from the uh, from the room where we do our prep to to here. But here we are, and one day away from the Stanley Cup final, and <clears throat> I, I've I've heard a lot of people complain about this final, and I'm trying to figure out why, because. When I look at it and I look at these two teams and how they compare and and all the storylines, I'm actually very intrigued by it. I'm also kind of jealous that, you know, the people that are covering this series get to go to to Vegas and to Florida, to Sunrise, the Miami area. It's kind of fun. But when I look at this, this final, to me, it's one of the more intriguing finals that we've had in recent memories. And we look at the potential of a Matthew Kachuk versus Jack Eichel rivalry, two of the best American players in the game right now, a showcase that could end up paying dividends for the NHL, especially in those markets and across the United States. We look at, at the goalies and the kind of David versus Goliath matchup that we have between Sergei Bobrovsky, the man with the insanely large contract and who's had an incredible playoff, and Aiden Hill, the guy who is basically an afterthought, one-year contract, wasn't really supposed to play much. I mean, we we look at, you know, he, he, he was backing up Logan Thompson. Logan Thompson ends up getting hurt. They bring in Jonathan Quick because Aiden Hill wasn't ready. We all know the situation with Robin Lehner, and here Aiden Hill is, having an incredible playoff going up against Sergei Bobrovsky, who is having a playoff for the ages. When we talk about how dominant he has been, Sergei Bobrovsky has allowed 33 goals in these playoffs. Okay. His expected goals against is 52.66. That is 19.7 goals saved above expected. His counterpart, Aiden Hill, who's had an incredible playoff since taking over for Laurent Boissois, 6.4. And he's having a great playoff. So that tells you kind of the the disparity from from one great playoff to another, to well, to a legendary playoff that Sergei Bobrovsky's having. How about the storyline of what Florida looks like after a week and a half off? I know how I feel after not playing men's league for a week. Actually, it's probably a good thing that I, I, that's probably a good thing that I play men's league only once a week. The heart can't handle it anymore, but how do they look after a week and a half layoff? And I know that Vegas has had a little bit of a, of a break, but certainly not a week and a half. What about the storyline of Mark stone? Who's been battling injury after injury. He had the back injury earlier this year, and he's probably battling an injury right now. He's also one of the more entertaining players to watch, especially when his team scores a goal. Could you imagine Mark Stone scoring an overtime winner in the Stanley Cup final? I'm here for that celebration. What about Alex Petrangelo, who left a championship contender in St. Louis for the bright lights of Vegas and now gets to a cup final? Or what about the redemption stories for guys like Anthony Duclair and Sam Bennett and Sam Reinhardt, two former first-round picks that teams that drafted them had moved on from? and a player who decided to bet on himself and is coming back from an Achilles injury. Or there's the cast-offs. Jonathan Marcheseau, Riley Smith, who were jettisoned to Vegas. I mean, you could go to a lot worse places than Vegas. I, I will admit to that. But they leave Florida in the expansion draft because Florida wanted to keep 
Alex Petrovic and Eric Goodbranson. And now those two are in their second cup final with the Vegas Golden Knights. And this time they get to face their former team in the Florida Panthers. We can also talk about the coaches. Bruce Cassidy, who was just fired by the Boston Bruins, who, by the way, in case you had forgotten, had one of the greatest regular seasons that we had ever seen. He's in the Stanley Cup final. Or what about Paul Maurice? Arguably the greatest quote in the NHL today, especially among coaches, who refound the love of hockey again after what was a pretty stressful time in Winnipeg. He was their only coach for the longest time, and he felt that that team needed a different voice. So he stepped down. And now he finds himself in his first year with the Florida Panthers, who, by the way, were President's Trophy winners last year under Andrew Burnett and Joel Quenville, now finds himself finding the love of hockey in the great state of Florida with the Florida Panthers. He is in the cup final. So for all that are complaining that this isn't a good final and it's not intriguing and it's not this and it's not that, how about we look at what is right in front of us? all these wonderful storylines and just say, I'm ready for this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Matt Marchese in for Jeff Merrick on the Jeff Merrick show. Elliot Freeman on the other side. This is the Jeff Merrick show on the Sportsnet radio network. Coming up in just a little bit, Rob Rossi from The Athletic will join me. We'll recap what we heard yesterday from Kyle Dubas from the Pittsburgh perspective. Gord Stelic, pre and post host on Lease Nation uh, and also co-host of the Morning Skate on NHL Network Radio, as well as Chris Cuthbert, NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. And as I mentioned, Elliot Friedman from wonderful Las Vegas, Nevada, joining me now. Elliot, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Marchese? I'm good. Uh, so I heard you guys got in a little late last night. <laughs> I think we landed about uh, probably around 2 Eastern. Maybe that's about when we got to our room, something like that. Yeah, I, I, I texted CeCe, and uh, he just got back, and he said, Sorry, Matt, I uh, I fell asleep, and uh, I turned my phone off. So, uh, But anyway... Okay, so I, I was talking in the open about the storylines, and and I know you you mentioned about people griping about, you know, how this playoff, uh, this Stanley Cup final looks, and you're not very intrigued by it. But when you really go over all of the storylines that we have here, I think it's one of the more intriguing Stanley Cup finals that we've seen in recent memory. Well, look, like, uh, like I think uh, I, I think I think people are always going to come. I just actually. Marchese, I'm just walking by the regular host of the show. He could have done the show today, apparently. You know, Marchese's saying he could have done the show today. Marchese's saying he could have done the show today. Yeah, he says he's giving you a chance to Wally Pippa. Yeah, hasn't worked yet. <laughs> um, anyway, like, look, like, look, some people are going to whine and bitch about it because that's just the way some people are, Matt. Like, um, you know, uh, like, you know, people like to take shots at things, and, and that's just the way it goes. Like, I've said many times that, um, you know, look, like, you can complain about what you don't have or you can enjoy what you do have, and I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, you know, Vegas is – this is going to be – it's going to be a phenomenal scene here. They really love their hockey. Um, you know, uh, Florida's embraced the playoff run. <laughs> Did I ever think when I was – 
starting hockey night in Canada in 2003. I'd ever see a Stanley Cup final between Florida and Vegas. No, I didn't. Um, do I wish there was a little bit more Canadian success in the playoffs? 100% I do. Uh, but while I'm here, I'm going to enjoy it. And, and uh, you know what? I, like I said, I know one thing is going to be for sure. I am going to have a great tan at the end of the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, like, when you were covering, when you started at Hockey Night, that you could never have imagined a Florida-Vegas final. That I know it's going to be a dated reference, and I'm going to join you and Jeff in that. It's like Back to the Future when they, they get the Gray Sports Almanac. That's the only thing that I can reference here where I'd say that's how crazy it would have sounded when you started at Hockey Night in Canada when you look back and say, oh, these are all the technologies that we would have in 2020 or 2023. And now we have Vegas and Florida playing in the Stanley Cup final. That's the only reference that I can think Pretty of. When, yeah, it is. And, and I actually... Before I get to the GMs and the presidents of the of the respected organizations and what they've done to get these teams here, since we're talking about, you know, the future and, and having stars in Vegas and, and Florida, you know, this this final pits Matthew Kachuk and Jack Eichel up against each other, two of the best American born players in the game right now. How big is this for for hockey in the United States? Like, do we think that we're going to learn anything from this or is it, you know, just having it on TNT this year, that is going to be a big thing regardless of the stars that are, or do you think that there is something to be gained from having those two guys in the final against each other and both playing at a really high level? Uh, I have to tell you, I don't know how much I think about that. Like I am curious to see Matt, how the TV ratings are. Um, you know, like, there's no question that one of the things that uh, Bettman, Commissioner Bettman did when he first came into the NHL was he wanted to get U.S. emphasis and power in the league to grow. And that has absolutely happened. There's, there's more U.S. teams. This morning on our podcast, we have uh, a, a very, very smart guy, Ryan Smith, talking about bringing another team into Salt Lake City, and he wants to do it today. Um, the amount of American kids playing hockey is greater. The access to hockey uh, in the United States is greater. I, I'm really curious to see where these TV numbers go. Um, I'm, I'm very interested in that. You know, the one thing about TNT is, first of all, I think the show is really good. And secondly, um, they've never had a final before in uh, major North American team sport. Like I was talking about some of their guys about it actually at the Winter Classic, and they were talking about how excited they were because, you know, they're known for broadcasting the NBA. They've never broadcast an NBA final. This is the first time they've had something like this. So it's massive for them, and they want to do a good show about it. And I think their show's good for the league. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of things here. Uh, Maddie, I, I really do. Like, I've always been the kind of guy, like, I'm not one of those please-like-my-sport guys. I, I, I really don't like that. I've always believed if I like something, well, I like it and I enjoy it, and if you don't like it, too bad for you. And that's kind of, so when people say, well, defend hockey on this, I'm like, eh, I don't want to. I, I enjoy it, and I don't feel I should need to defend it. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know much about what else to say to that, but I'm here. I'm looking at the sun. There isn't a cloud in the sky. I'm, like I said, I'm going to have a marvelous tan when this is over. 
What is there to be upset about, Marquise? The only thing that I can be upset about is I'm here and not there. But the hockey, I will be totally fine watching. Um, That's why I'm happy. <laughs> you know, I haven't even seen you in that long, and yet you act like we see each other every day, and that I'm just such a bother to you, Elliot. People think that you really don't like me. You know that? Well, it's not true. <laughs> not entirely. Uh, and not, you know, I mean, you're a producer. Your job is to annoy people. It's very true. Um, yeah. Okay, so when we look at, at these two teams, and I don't want to go down the, the whole uh, thing of how do you replicate these teams because, frankly, you can't. Um, but when we look at how they've been built and the, and the architects of each, we'll start with Florida. And, you know, Bill Zito comes over from Columbus. He was a, an agent before. He comes over from Columbus where he was the AGM, is the, the, the general manager in Florida. And one thing that we can say about Bill Zito is that he has not been afraid to make the big deal, much like we can say about Vegas as well. And maybe, maybe there is something to be said about that and how you build a championship team. But, you know, you look at, at the stars that he's brought in when you talk about Matthew Kachuk or, you know, how Sam Reinhardt has played and how Sam Bennett's played and Brandon Montour has been a wonderful addition. But, you know, he's also signed some guys a little under the radar when we look at Carter Verhage and Anthony Duclair, Radko Gudis, and, and he did sign Sasha Barkov to that big extension. I don't think that a lot gets made of you know, the work that Bill Zito's done and the swings that he has taken. Granted, they, a lot of them have worked out but there were some that didn't. But when we look at the overall work that he's done, he's done a great job in Florida. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Uh, well, you know, I, I think, look, anytime, anytime you go to the Stanley Cup final, you get credit. Like, you know, people talk about process, 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 Matt. In, in sports, you get credit for results. Your process could be great, but if your results are terrible, you're not getting any credit. And, um, you know, that's just the way it is. So Zito's in the Stanley Cup final. He's one of two GMs left standing, and he's getting the credit for it. And, um, you know, the, the Kachuk deal, you know, people forget that was such a big, bold deal when it happened. There were a lot of people that thought that Florida was crazy. I was one of them. And uh, you know what? I still think that deal will end up turning out better for Calgary. I just think that last year was such a rough year for them, and I think they will make steps to get it better. But, like, I think this deal turned better for Florida quicker than anybody thought it was going to be. And, you know, that was a, that was a bold trade to make. So um, I think when, when you get here, people say, hey, this person got there for a reason. And we and I didn't even mention in there that he fired the coach of the year and Andrew Burnett and brought in Paul Maurice. Like that was another one that I mean, I think some people thought that Andrew Burnett might not have the job after the season was done, but you know, even bringing in Paul Maurice was was a big move. Both of these teams made coaching changes and they're in the Stanley Cup final. Do you think that yep. some teams may look at it and go Maybe we're just a tweak and a coach away. And I know a coach is not an easy thing because lots of teams change coaches. But is there something to be said about sometimes you just need a different voice in that room? Well, there is. But you also shouldn't forget that the team that won uh, two Stanley Cup finals and went to within two wins, winning a third one in a row, that's the longest serving coach in the NHL. Yep. So what I think is that you have to 
what I think is that you have to have a really good pulse on can your coach keep fresh? And, you know, Vegas has had uh, one, two, three coaches in six years. Like, for all the success that Vegas has had, they have actually had a lot of coaches in that time, which is kind of interesting because it shows you that they say, all right, this is what we're looking for, and if we're not seeing it, we're going to make the change. Um, you know, Florida's had a lot of coaches in their history. Zito, and also, don't forget Florida was had to make a coaching change in the middle of a situation that was out of their control. Mm-hmm. But the one, th- the one thing about Zito and Florida is last year, like Barry Trotz took some heat this year for waiting a long time to make his decision with John Hines. Florida did the same thing last year. Um, they waited a long time to make the call on Burnett, who, as you said, was coach of the year. And a lot of people didn't like that. And Zito was unapologetic about it. And he says, I have to make the right decision for the organization. And I think that's what it comes down to, that if you're going to run a sports team, just like any big business, you have to be confident in your own skin and be willing to make decisions that might not be popular, but you think are right. And some of them are going to work, and some of them aren't. And you might think your process is great, but if your results are bad, no one's going to care about how good your process is. Uh, if anybody's wondering, I think my process is great, and I think my results are fantastic. So, um, And I know Elliot thinks the same way. Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada, NHL on Sports, and joining Matt Marchese here. Okay, so I wanted to, to get to some, some newsy stuff, and we'll, we'll break down the final with Chris Cuthbert later on in the show. Um, Ian Mendez tweeted about an hour ago that, uh, based on multiple conversations with sources this week, that the Kimmel family is likely no longer in the running to purchase the Ottawa Senators. So... Um, that that narrows the list down. Uh, what are you hearing? Are we getting any closer? I know again, the NHL doesn't love news coming out during the Stanley Cup final. As you know, as long as it's on an off day, it's generally okay. But are we getting yep. any closer to this? Because this is honestly taking a lot longer than I think a lot of people thought it was going to. Well, you know, first of all, I would say uh, about that report. I, I think. I think this week has been, like, I think this whole process has been a roller coaster on a lot of people. And I don't know that that's 100% true. But what I do think Ian is right about is I think that my sense is in a few of these cases, and I would assume the Kimmels are one, that people have just said, no, we're not going there. And that the NHL or the Senators or the banker, whoever it is, has gone back to those people and say, okay, what if we did this? Or if we can get you this, it'll be beneficial to you. And I think that's one of the things that is kind of, you know, that has kind of bothered some people throughout the process. I think, I think that there are people who would who, like, 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 like the Sanders fans. I think they just want this to be done. And I think on some level, the, um, the league, like Gary Bettman always speaks before game one of the Stanley Cup final. I think if he would love it, I think he would love it if he had a Senator's sale announcement that he could say, look, the Senators are a sale for a billion or 1.2 billion or whatever they're going to announce it as. So he could say, this is how healthy our league looks. I think he would really like that. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to get it done to him tomorrow. But the thing about the Kimmels is, I don't think they're the high bidder. I think at times 
they've basically said, look, we're not going to do that. And I think consistently, not only them, but other people too, like I said, the senators or the bank or the league has gone back to them and said, well, what about this? So what I think Ian is right about is I think there have been times that the Kimmels and others have looked like they're out. But I think the other, the, the various groups are trying to keep them and the others in. And that's the thing. Until it's over, there have been so many twists and turns and so many weird things have happened. Until it's over, I hesitate to make any sweeping statements. Feels like a choose your own adventure novel the way that it's going right now. If this person backs out, then we can do this. If it, anyway, um, where does it look like these, these things? Like these things are complicated. Sure, you you have to make sure you find the right person. You know, like you know, uh, you know, like I, like I, I I had enough aggravation out of this this week. I don't need any more. I'll just say that I think people are like, all right, no more back and forth. Pick someone. So if it, if it is down to two, let's say it's, let's say it's the, the apostle. I don't know that. No, but, but I, I don't know I, I'm, that. Just, I'm just speaking in a hypothetical here. If it's down to the two how, and, and let's say one of them is a billion dollar offer and the other one is, you know, a shade under a billion. I know it. I know it's just a figure, and you know, I mean, fifty million dollars here for a franchise, seventy million dollars here is not much for these guys. But how much do you think the NHL would, I guess, lean towards a mil a billion dollar bid for a franchise that, let's face it, nobody ever thought they were going to get a billion dollars for the Ottawa Senators, and then it just, you know ups the value for everyone else across the league. Is that something that is important or do they go with a bid? Maybe it's the Ann Lauer bid that they're more comfortable with because they know him better. Well, there, there's nothing, there's nothing they care about more popularly than the value of the franchise. So that's number one and everything kind of goes from there. Look, I, I think this, if this, if it was as simple as, awarding it to the number one, the highest bidder, this would be over already. Um, hold on one second. I was going to send a note here. This would be over uh, already. Um, so it's not as simple as that. Um, okay. I, think, I think there's a couple things that come up. People put down a bid and they check okay, are we sure this person has the money? How's the financing of their bid? Uh, what percentage is debt and what percentage is equity? Like all of that stuff matters. So um, I, you go through it. Like these are the kinds of things you check. Then it comes down to, okay, if we have this person and they're the high bidder, do we want them? Do we want someone else? And if that person is not the high bidder, how do we get them close enough to it? Like, I think that's what's been going on. I think that, well, and I think one of, two, one of two things, I think the other thing that happens here, it's pretty clear it's happened in this case, is that you're trying to squeeze every dollar you can. The bank wants to make more money. The league wants a bigger number. The senators and the, and, the, and the Melnick family, they want more money. 
I mean, there's big debt they're going to have to pay off here. They want more money, too. So everybody wants more money. So not only do you say, okay, you're not the high bidder. We kind of like you. Can we get you closer? You're also trying to squeeze every dollar out of everyone. And that's what, that's what goes on here. It takes time. I feel like this is a fantasy football trade. I'm trying to squeeze every last pick out of everybody that I can at this moment in time, except we're dealing in millions of dollars. Um, Speaking of millions of dollars, okay, this is another big picture one, and I I do wonder if it's going to come up uh, in Gary Bettman's pre-Stanley Cup address, but so Major League Baseball won a ruling against Diamond Sports Holding, and that was a big one. Yeah, and that's who owns Bally Sports for everyone that, that isn't aware. So basically what they won is that, or what, what happened was uh, major league baseball won the ruling that requires the broadcaster to meet payment obligations after they had filed for bankruptcy. So do we think that the NHL goes down this road? Do we know where things stand between the NHL and uh, diamond sports holdings? And it's gone pretty quiet, but do you think that this is a question that comes up for Mr. Bettman uh, when he addresses the media? Uh, yes, I think it does. That's probably good news for the NHL. Um, that, that Manfred, he won big yesterday. There's no question about that. I was reading about it this morning. Um, that's good news for probably everybody who's involved in this. You think if one case goes that way, then you hope all cases would go that way based on legal precedence, unless there's something there I'm, I'm not aware of. Um, but I still do think, look, Vegas here they're one of the teams that's kind of taken over control of their broadcasts you know ryan smith who wants to own the utah nhl team he talked about that on the podcast today that you know right now you can't see the jazz all over utah and he wants to end that he's like no we're putting our games so that every one of our fans can see it and we'll figure out the finances so I think there's two parts to this question here, uh, Matt. Number one is you probably feel very good that the courts feel that the contract should be honored, but you also better be prepared for a world where this is all changing and how, what are you going to do about it? Well, that was going to be my, my next thing. Like, how close are we to – I mean, in, in other sports, teams have, have talked about doing it and tried to do it. I believe the Cubs did it in baseball, or at least they were talking about doing it. How close do you think we are to maybe more so in the States than we are here, but having teams that just run their own broadcasts under well, we're whatever there. umbrella it is. We're there. Like, I mean, you I mean, with more teams, with more teams, I'm well, talking. No, but the, well, the thing is, look, like as long as look, the Maple Leafs basically investigated this a few years ago with Leaf TV. Right. And at the time it, it didn't work. But that was, but right now, unless you're such a superpower that people are going to pay you a lot of money for a long time, you better be prepared for an alternate plan. Yeah. Like you look at where you look at Pittsburgh Fenway Sports Group, mm-hmm. they could put together an app that has Liverpool, the Penguins, and the Red Sox, and they've got to be thinking about something like that. So that's where we're going. I don't know when, I don't know how long, but that's where we're going. And every one of these people is planning for it. Well, we will we'll see where this thing ends up. Uh, a couple more for you. Uh, 
Patrick Kane had hip resurfacing surgery. That does not sound like it's any fun. Uh, will be out four to six months. Expectation uh, is that he will be fine after and that he will be able to continue playing. But it is hip surgery and there is an adjustment period. How do you think that his free agency goes? Because I, I do wonder about some team trying to get him on the cheap early. Or is this something that carries on through the summer and we kind of see something maybe a little bit closer to training camp or as the season starts where he ends up actually signing a deal? Well, I, I think now they just kind of – this news came out yesterday, so I think everybody's kind of digesting it. I think it's too early to say. Number one, it's he's a free agent, so a lot, so a lot of it's his call. Where does he want to go? What, what does he think? And the other thing is what do teams want to do? But now we have at least an answer on what happened to him and how long he's going to be out. And I think that's, that everybody starts figuring the answers to those questions out from here. I think it's too soon to really answer that. And just just your own opinion, but is that does that look like a one year deal to you, just to see how things go? If that like maybe one team ends up going two because they really want the player, but do you think the majority of it is going to be a one year deal? I would say that's likely, but I I don't know that for sure. Okay, uh, quickly, I got Rob Rossi on the other side here, but I did want to get your opinion on this. So the Dubas press conference yesterday, he will handle the GM duties until after the draft. Uh, and, and after free agency, it looks like at least the beginning of free agency, he said he wanted someone with a different skill set from him. Did that lead you to any conclusions about who he might be thinking of? No, I, I think there's like, I do think the Penguins want someone new or uh, a young and up and comer. They interviewed a whole bunch of them. Uh, people like, you know, Evan Gold from Boston, um, a few people from uh, New Jersey. Uh, whether it was like a Kate Madigan or a Megan Duggan or someone like that. Um, I think they're going to have some time to figure it out, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes through the interview notes from some of those um, individuals and, and with Fenway group kind of sits down and picks someone from there. Like, I think there's a reason Fenway did those interviews because they wanted the, yeah, I think Fenway always looked at it like, we're going to hire a boss who do this is, and then we're going to go from there and try to bring in someone new, maybe a promotion from another organization. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those people that they talk to who ends up being their GM. Well, it's going to be very interesting. Okay, Elliot, you are released. Go work on your tan and enjoy all the interviews you're going to do. I, I do plan on it. I thank you very much for your well wishes. Have a great weekend. <laughs> Take care, buddy. You too. There he goes, Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada, NHL and Sportsnet. And the guy who's going to have the best tan in the league, apparently, according to Elliot, once this Stanley Cup final is done.